Hi, Avril here from Access Credit Union. We are delighted to once again sponsor the Star Sports Podcast. As part of our range of new business loans, we now offer Cultivate Farm Finance, the farmer-friendly loan package. With a Cultivate loan, farmers in West Cork can benefit from the local decision-making and personal service offered by Access Credit Union. To find out more, go to accesscu.ie forward slash cultivate, call me on 085 268 2727 or 028 21883, where a member of our team will be happy to help you with your inquiry. Close your eyes and pull like a dog. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy and Matthew Hurley from the Star Sports Department. Before we kick things off, I'd just like to give a gentle reminder to our listeners and viewers to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts Spotify and YouTube. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you in association with our friends at Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, where your bank really does matter. Choose the credit union, choose local, choose community. They've only gone and done it again. The rowers reared on the River Island have once again put Skibbereen and West Cork on the front and back pages with their exploits in Munich at the European Championships. On this week's show, we'll be chatting to Fintan McCarthy, one half of the new European champions after he and Paula Donovan came out on top to claim yet another major championship gold medal. We're also going to be looking ahead to the weekend's club hurling action and hearing from Bill Fleming of Aggerdeen Rangers. Bill has been chatting to Matthew and a little later in the show, Matthew will also be giving us his five biggest takeaways from last weekend's football action. So stay tuned for that. But lads, there's no point in starting anywhere else this week other than with the aforementioned Rowers performances in Munich. And Kieran, coming to you first, the consistency this pair have continued to show at the highest level over the past few years is nothing short of remarkable. Consistency is a great word, Jack. It's actually a rootless consistency at this stage. So just to put into context, that's their fifth international gold in a row. They're undefeated in their last five international regattas together. That stretches back to the 2019 Worlds. Go back to, to, to last year, they won World Cup, two European gold, and of course, Olympic gold, which was the, the Everest in rowing. And now they've won European gold again. So it's an absolutely sensational record. I think that's also 15 race wins in a row in terms of They've won every heat semi-final and a final at the five at their last five international regattas together. So Paul and Finton in that double, they're, they're the best in the world. They're officially the world rowing men's crew of the year for last year. And you can understand why they're just in a in a different league to the, the rest of the men in the lightweight double um in that in that pool of rowers right now. And almost to add to their achievement last weekend, you've got to remember this was Paul and Finton's first time back in the double together because they've had a very fragmented year so far. At the World Cup regattas, they were both in singles. So this was their first international regatta in the double together. They didn't have too much time together either, yet they come out and they produce performances like that, first in their heat to get through to the final. And then in, in the final itself, like they won by four seconds um, in the end. It was, it was clear water. And um, almost towards the end of that race, that the, the camera panned to the battle for second and third because you just knew the two skid boys were gone. They, they, they were home and home. They were gone so far ahead of that stage. So, like you said, Jack, they're on the front and back pages of the, the national newspaper. We're talking about them again. And so we should, because we have two Skibbereen men, two Affidown men, just out the road here from where there's the Star HQ is in Skibbereen. They're not too far. Their homes aren't too far from our office here. And they're the best in the world at what they do. So, of course, we need to celebrate this and shout out loud that the best rowers in the world are here in Skib. Um, a line you mentioned there, the best in the world at what they do and a big debate that's been happening across the various media platforms over the past few days is whether or not Paula Donovan is in fact actually Ireland's greatest sportsman in any sport. 
not just rowing. And I want to dive into that briefly. And Matthew, I'll come to you on that one first. I know it's a big question. How can you compare sports and eras? But just from your own perspective as a GA man, where would you kind of see Paul and rank Paul in terms of Ireland's greatest ever sports person? Would you have him right up there? I honestly do, yeah. Um, like it's remarkable the way they've won race after race after race. And it was at a point actually on RT's coverage where they were kind of expecting the two lads to win. And that just shows their dominance in the sport they do. And yeah, that is a big, big question, all right? There's a lot of them um, across different sports. I suppose Katie Taylor, Conor McGregor, Roy Keane, like there's a lot, but I think Paul is definitely up there. Like when you look at his records, the 2016 Olympics winning silver, then gold, and then gold again now in the European Championship. So he's had an absolutely remarkable record, both in, in the, the double goals and the single goal as well. So he's definitely right up there with being a, in contention for being Ireland's greatest sports person. And we win uh, the best sports person of the year again this year. Well, well there's arguments though, I'm here from other platforms that Fitz McCarthy is actually doing better than this year. So, um, That'll be interesting and see who who will actually win it at the end of the year with RT, for example. But um, yeah, he's definitely up there, Paul. Definitely up there. And uh, Fintan will be up there the next years, I think, as well. They're two remarkable athletes. Yeah, we're going to be speaking to Fintan in a few moments and we'll maybe speak about him in more depth just before that chat. But just sticking, Kieran, with Paul for a moment because I know a tweet you went, you put out during the week uh, after their success went pretty viral. You listed out his achievements and we we know where you stand on the rowers you're obviously a big advocate for them you're a big supporter of them you have been for a good number of years now so you're probably a good person to ask where does paul o'donovan rank for you in terms of ireland's greatest ever sports person i know that you have him up right up there but give us some of your reasons Uh, he's definitely right up there like like just in terms of his system achievement so like i just remember he just turned 28 back in april so he's still he's still quite a young sportsman so we've the two olympic medals gold and silver we've four world goals two in the single two in the double he's now three european goals um in the double two with finton one with gary and he's a host of world cup um, medals as well um gold, silver, bronze in the double and the single. So in terms of medals won, I'm not sure he's a more successful athlete Ireland has ever produced because he's just a, a medal factory. Um, but it's almost his transformative transformative effect that he's had on Irish rowing. Think back to 2016 at the Rio Olympics. Ireland had never, ever won an Olympic rowing medal. Paul and Gary came along. They won a sensational silver. They broke the glass ceiling. They... They introduced rowing, I suppose, into the homes of families right across the country. People who might have been interested in rowing before, all of a sudden they were they were taken in. Their, their hearts were captured by the O'Donovan brothers from, from Lachine. Um, the boys can talk a good talk. Of course they could. But the big thing with Paul is he always backs it up. He always performs. So as as an athlete, like the man is, he's a phenomenal specimen. Like talk, talk to people who know a lot more about rowing than I do. Like he's the perfect lint. He's lung capacity. He's just built to roll, built to move a, a boat so, so fast. So physically, he's all the attributes. But mentally, this man is on a different level to what we've ever come across before. And certainly what I've come across, like there's a toughness to my determination. And he's just an incredible athlete. And I'm I'm even thinking back to when I, when I wrote the book a couple of years ago, I was talking to his dad, Teddy, just about Gary and Paul when they were growing up. And he told me one anecdote about Paul. Um, years and years ago, they were they, the boys were so so small. We went went to co-op and just to get a to get to get a twenty five kg twenty five kg bag of feed. I think it was, and he said Paul was only small little fella. Wrapped his arms around around the bag and he dragged it across the across the shop then to bring it out to the trailer. He said like no one could help him. He he had to drag it himself. You know and that just shows even as a kid there was like this this determination, this this craziness. I'd say because there's this madness to him. You know just to. Just to do, just to do things, and he's achieved so, so much. So, in terms of that conversation, yeah, hundred percent, he's up there. I think it's a, it's impossible to kind of say for definite who the best sports person is. But I think you look at Paul O'Donovan and Katie Taylor, those two in particular, as having huge transformative effects on their sport. Roy Keane and all the, and the all our great football players, of course, fantastic sports people. But we've we've a lot of those, and people who came before them, like John Giles and so on. It's the same in GA. But look at what Katie Taylor has done for women's boxing. Look at Paul O'Donovan has, has done for rowing. And I think they are the top two. And then let, let, let him fight it out for the, for the crown. 
just uh, to pick up on a couple of things you said there, the story you told about Paul carrying the 25 kg bag of grain from the co-op sounds very like the story that's told about the great wrestler Dan O'Mahony from Ballad of Hob, who has an iron statue who knocked out, was it a, a bull maybe with one punch in his youth? So maybe Paul O'Donovan is the new Dan O'Mahony and there's a future for him in the world wrestling entertainment. I don't know what they say, the beginning of it now, but, and the second thing, you brought up was the inspiration that Paul and Gary's uh, silver medal delivered for young people around West Cork and Skibbereen in particular. And one of the people who was inspired by that silver medal is our guest who we're going to hear from in a few moments because Finn McCarthy, the story is well told, obviously watched that race in Skibbereen and he's told you, he said to himself at that moment that he's going to achieve the same things or he's going to at least attempt to achieve the same things. And he's done that and then some. So before we come to Finton though, Kieran, because we're going to speak to him in some detail, maybe bring us up to speed with some of the other local rowers who also made a big impression at the European Championships because it wasn't just Paul and Finton who, who stood out. No, we had a large Skibreen contingent out in Munich the, the past week. So one first lightweight women's double, with Lydia Heafy, the Skibbereen rower. She's originally from Lep. Well, well, she is from Lep. Um, she partnered with Mags Crimmon from Rochestown in that lightweight women's double. And they were superb. They got to the to the A final and they, they finished just fourth. But just to put into context again, the, the, the three of the top four crews from the Olympics last year were in this A final with them. And for Lydia and Mags, it was only their second international regatta together in this Olympic cycle. So for them to push so, so close to the Italians who finished in third was a tremendous achievement. And I have no doubt that, that Lydia and Mags will only get better and better and better from here. Then turning to the, to the lightweight women's single with Eva Casey in that boat, and she had another tremendous performance. She finished fourth in the A final of the lightweight women's, and she had a brilliant second half of the race, a brilliant second 1,000 metres, and she was pushing for a medal too, and she just missed out. But again, it was a really impressive performance and something to build on. So that, that lightweight women's group of Lydia, Aoife and Megs, that's really strong at the moment. So any two of those three will get that lightweight double, which is the Olympic class boat moving fast. And we also had Emily Hegarty, our Olympic bronze medal wedding, our Olympic bronze medal winning hero from Afferdown. Um, she was in the Irish women's four last year. She partnered Fiona Murta in the women's pair. And again, they finished fourth just outside the medals. But again, that's a new crew. This is just their second international regatta together. So they'll take a lot of positives from that. And a lot of the rowers now are got into their respective training camps ahead of the World Championships, which are on in, in the Czech Republic in mid-September. So um, we're not finished with the rowing just yet. There could be a couple more headlines to come. And just actually, before we move on, just to touch on the athletics for the moment, we've had two West Cork athletes also in action at European Championships this week. Disappointment for Phil Healy Monday night in the women's 400 metre heat. I don't know what went wrong for her, but it wasn't the Phil Healy that, that we know. She was in a strong position coming off the final bend, but she flagged badly coming out at home straight and she finished sixth and she didn't make it through to the semi-finals. While on Tuesday evening, Darren McElhinney from Glengariff was in action in the men's 5,000 metre final. Huge platform, huge stage for Dara. And at one stage in the final lap, Dara was in seventh position. The final 200 metres took their toll, like um, Dara, Dara faded, faded as well, and he ended up finish, finishing 16th, which isn't a reflection of his performance, like he was really impressive through this, like he's just remember Dara is 21 years old, I think this was his first European senior championships, he was in with the big boys, in with the Inga Britsons of this world, the, that Norwegian superstar, yet in that inside that final lap, Dara was in seventh place, so I think there's a lot of positives for Dara to take into future years, and Dara is, it's onwards and upwards for him, like that man is going places. Lovely stuff, lads. Well, the man we've mentioned several times now is waiting to talk to us, and that is the European gold medal winning rower, Fintan McCarthy. Delighted now to be joined on the podcast by a multiple gold medal winner at this stage, Fintan McCarthy, fresh from his rocks at the European Rowing Championships. First off, Fintan, congratulations on, on your latest success. Well done. Thanks, thanks very much. Yeah, it's been a uh, a good weekend for all of the team, really. I can I can just imagine, like you said, great success for the Irish rowing team and for yourself and Paul in that double. But where in the world are you right now? Because that doesn't look like Affa Down. That doesn't look like Skibbereen. 
Yeah, we're in Italy now. We came straight, um, pretty much straight after the final, uh, just for a week. So we're going to do some training here and then head to our usual kind of spot in Banyolas in the north of Spain for the rest of the kind of pre-worlds preparation. And then, yeah, out to Czech Republic. So not much not much time at home over the next few weeks. Not any time at home, really, but it's all, all for a good cause. Please tell me, Coach Dominic Casey's letting yourself and Paul put your feet up for a couple of days anyway in Italy so you can you can rest and recuperate after your exertions. Yeah, yeah. Well, Paul's actually gone back to, to university, so he's in Cork at the moment. So he might join us now uh, when we go to Spain for a few, yeah, for a while. So, no, Fintan, right, we're a couple of days out from that race in Munich. And that race looked like it took an awful lot out of, out of you and Paul, like the... European final this year in Heath. Um, how is the body right now a couple of days on? And how long does it take to, to recover and get back to feeding yourself after a, a, a big regatta like that? Yeah, um, it was a tough one, especially, uh, you know, the first time making weight in the season is always, uh, it's always a struggle. We've we'd been racing singles earlier in the season as well, which the weight is a bit higher for. So it was a bit of a shock to the system getting back to, to the double weight but yeah it's grand you know um it it does take a bit out of you but we're kind of over that kind of two day two day slump and getting back into some training now so yeah good stuff just to explain to our listeners so Fintan, that weight cut the difference between, between making weight for a lightweight single and a lightweight double what is the difference and how hard is it in to make weight so uh the single is 72 and a half kilos is the max and then for the double, the crew average has to be 70 kilos. So you you can kind of weigh whatever you want between like 67 and 72 um, just to get the crew average to 70. So uh, yeah, we're usually some some combination of of 70 kilos. That average. sounds like fun. That sounds like but it's fun. just that two and a half. You wouldn't think it, but it is a massive difference. Like um even in terms of the few weeks before you'd have to nearly alter your training a small bit definitely alter your food intake and um we do a bit of sweating before the race as well so yeah it's it's a it's a pretty different kind of preparation and, uh, yeah if the, the preparation is different the result was the same gold last sunday in munich so let's go back to the race itself and to them how comfortable are you and paul with the way that final was unfolding the Swiss double went out strong. The Italians were there. Um, but you just seemed so comfortable and confident. And from watching on, it, I suppose from our point of view, it seemed almost an, an inevitability for what was going to happen. And it happened in that 500 metres. You just pulled away. But yourself, put yourself back in that boat in the race, going into that second 1,000 metres. Were you happy with the way the race was panning out? Yeah, yeah you know, I think just from, from doing so many races together at this stage, we have like a really good trust in each other and we know what we can do as well. So during the race, we were kind of just focusing on our pace and it was feeling good. Like it wasn't feeling too strenuous and we were creeping back on the Swiss. Uh, we kind of know they tend to have a really quick first 1500 meters from the last few regattas we've seen them at. They've been really quick to 1500. So we weren't too concerned. Like we knew that they'd be up there with us at that point. So it was just about kind of making sure that we had that extra gear or not even the extra gear, just, just, you know, maintaining our pace and seeing if we could push on at the end, which I think we, we managed to, to do quite well. Like there's no major plan or like pre-race talk or anything. It's just kind of ingrained at this stage. Like we know what a race feels like and we just kind of go to that place every time. So it's just getting better with, with each race, I think. And even though we haven't had, you know, that the perfect preparation or that much time in the boat this year, kind of last year and the previous years are, are standing to us a bit, I think. I was listening to one of your interviews after, and I think you said there was only one or two words, even if that's said in the boat during the race. Like, is the communication, like, like, do, like you know what Paul's doing, he, he knows what you're doing, you just feel the boat and you both know when to go. Like, has your, your chemistry evolved to that level now? Yeah, you know, I really think it has. Like, there, there isn't any communication in the race, really. I'd, I kind of shout a, a word or two, um, 
kind of coming through the K when we got through the Italians and I think just the last 200 meters um, just to like keep the pace going kind of thing but it, it's not needed really I think you know like I said we both know what each stroke should feel like really so uh, it's just gotten to that stage yeah where we could we could probably do it do it with our eyes closed and I'd say if you did it with your eyes closed you still wouldn't give the rest of the competitors a chance like I was like I was saying that's that's five gold medals in a row like it's so winning streak you're on at the moment and like I said earlier there's almost an inevitability about it an expectation that okay Finton and Paul they're going to win gold again but do you feel that expectation or that pressure when you're on the boat or how, how do you cope with that now even the rest of the crews must be lining up at the start line saying Jesus, the Irish double is here again. Are we competing for silver at best? You know, is, is there, can you feel that pressure and expectation now, given your world champions, double European champions, your Olympic champions, you win every race? Well, like, I think we know it's there. Like, there's no point trying to say it isn't there because people do expect things of us, but I just don't think we really pay that much attention. Like, it it is obviously a privilege to be in our position that we're do, doing so well in every race. But I think it also, you know, it does put a target on our backs. Like everyone's trying to see what we're doing and how how they can beat us. So um yeah, like we know it's there, but I think we're just focusing on like improving ourselves and and seeing how we can we can get better and kind of make things more efficient and and things like that we don't really pay too much attention to what everyone else is is saying about us and i think like we enjoy it as well so it it does take like the stress of that like pressure out of it because yeah it's there but even if it wasn't there we'd still be doing the same thing so mm -hmm. yeah i think it's um yeah it's a funny one you say you enjoyed Finton. How much do you enjoy those last 100, 200 metres when you're literally, you're gassed out and you're just, you're just stretching for that line? Like, talk me through what those final 100, 200 metres are like. Yeah, it's a, it's funny because, like, you're in a, a world of pain, but there's, like, adrenaline going through you, like, you're feeling, especially when you're ahead, you're feeling like an absolute boss because you're going to be European champion, so... It is, it's it's funny, like, it's really enjoyable, but also, yeah, quite painful. I was going to say that it, it looks like you could see the exertion on yourself and Paul after, but as well for a bit of context on your latest success, yourself and Paul both raced in singles at different World Cup regattas earlier in the year. This was your first international regatta together since the Olympics last year. You didn't have much of a lead in time either in the double because Paul is, he was in Australia, like I said, you are both in your singles. So for you to come together in that short time, and do what you did with the A final, I think it was by four seconds last Sunday. Like, are you that's that a level now, yourself and Paul, that understanding that once you get in the boat, that it just works? Yeah, like, I think I've been trying to think about it the last few weeks, like, what's working for us. And because it is quite strange that you'd be doing so well with that little preparation or like you know not many people not many people might kind of choose to prepare that way definitely but mm. I think it's cool to just like be pushing the boundaries of like what everyone does and changing it up and kind of seeing that you know maybe it does work for us doing something different mm. and just finding out what those you know where those boundaries are and how how you know little we need to do or how much we need to be together and I think like we've both improved individually this year which has made the double faster so like that that's kind of a different way that we, we found of making the double faster by by training by ourselves whereas last year you know we would have been in the double all the time so um yeah, I think obviously the last few years have, have definitely stood to us, but yeah, it's cool to just be like trying new things and yeah, just finding ways to to go faster. Like I think this weekend was probably one of our biggest margins ever, which we, well, I was a bit surprised by, but, um, you know, from the few sessions we'd done, we knew we had a lot of speed and it, yeah, it was just really nice to like be able to put it together with, with, um, you know, minimal prep. 
How exciting is that? So, like, in let's even step forward past this year for a second next year, the Olympic qualification year, then it'll be the Paris Games in 2024. Like, I'm, 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 pres- I'm presuming it could be wrong, but next year you might have more time in the board together. See what you've done in a short space of time this year. Like, the more time you get, the better to get together in the board. That should theoretically make the board better. Yeah, theoretically, but, but I don't know. We might be proving ourselves wrong a bit this year. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And, you know, we're always learning and always, um, you know, finding ways of getting faster. So I'm sure we'll be improving over the next few years anyway. So we'll see. We'll see how that manifests. But sure, there's there's loads of, you know, young lads and there's Gary and Jake um, who are all, you know, gunning for spots as well. So obviously that keeps it keeps it interesting there's been a huge amount of praise for, for yourself Vincent and Paul over the last couple of days but one man we can't forget coach Dominic Casey I know he's a he's a man of few words so tell me what he said to you when he came off the water the last day I presume there was hugs there was high fives there was congrats was there um, well I got whisked off to Andy Doping so I didn't actually see him for a good while but I assume it was uh, you know he he's not one for, for big celebrations after the race he likes getting the boat derigged and, and put on the trailer as quickly as possible so we can get out of there but yeah I'm sure he was he was pretty pleased with all his results really you know everyone everyone on the team did exceptionally well so yeah just on the team for a second like let's say stick with the lightweights obviously Lydia and Meg said a brilliant race they finished fourth just outside the medals just off the off the Italians um, Eva Casey brilliant again in the single fourth you know that lightweight group but that's not taking into account the, the heavyweight women are doing superb things at the moment um it must be just a great feeling in the camp right now. Yeah, and you all know it's really good and really positive. I think everyone's just everyone's just bringing it to a new level in training, and it's really fun to be around and kind of see see everyone hitting those, um, you know, like class performances in training. And um, you know, me and Paul would always be we do these. Um, kind of sco- sessions together against all the boats and you you get compared based on your you know how close to the world record pace you are and um we'd always be trying to make sure you know we, we get ahead of a certain person at a certain time just so that you know we try stay on top because everyone's absolutely flying it and it's not um it's not easy to beat anyone at all so uh I think everyone yeah it's just bring it to a new level and uh, it's really exciting for the whole team really You've actually teed up the next question just brilliantly, Fintan. You said bring it to a new level. Nilo O'Toole was on off the ball earlier this week and he pinpointed you as the man who's brought the Irish double to a new level. He said, you, you've you really kicked on this year, that it's you driving this boat that's taken it to the, to the heights this year. Like, But you're after an incredible year yourself. Like, you had superb success at the Irish nas- Nationals. You're the lightweight men's single and the senior single skulls champion for the first time in both. Just on a, for, for the first time in, in both, I meant to say, just for yourself, like you must be really enjoying your role. Like you seem to have kicked on again from last year. Yeah, definitely. You know, I took, I kind of took a year, another year of just rowing this year, just to see, you know, how far I could go with it. Because um, obviously, you know, an Olympic year, it's all about the double, and you're, you're, you're pushing the double as as much as it as much as you can, you know, trying to win the Olympics. So it was really fun this year to kind of just get an opportunity to focus in on like myself and where I could improve individually. And um, yeah, I think it's, it's worked really well. I've kind of learned, you know, new ways of training that might work a bit better for me. And yeah, it was really nice to get those, those single skulls titles. And I had a world cup in the single as well. And just like learning from each race and, like I said before, you know, I think it re- it has actually brought the double on as well. So, yeah, just it's been a really fun year, to be honest. And like I have everything I could want in, in training partners, you know, the, the lightweight girls double is pretty much the exact same speed as me. So we'd be kicking the heads off each other pretty much every day on the water. So, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's been it's been a good year. Like, how satisfying is that for you, so, to be hitting and reaching those targets and goals that you set for yourself this year, whether that's on the, on the air again, in pieces or, you know, like winning those those national titles. But you you seem to have grown and developed and improved as a role this year. So from a personal point of view, it must be immensely satisfying to know that you're 
the Fintan we're seeing now is better than the Fintan that won a gold medal in Tokyo last year. Yeah, yeah, no, it is it is really satisfying. I think, you know, that's all you can ask for in rowing is is just to improve every day and and be enjoying it as well, which I am. So um yeah, just really happy with the way the year is going, really. I'm just loving training, loving seeing the improvements all the time and and you know the the group the group here is really good as well so we can't really complain with with anything to be honest i have to ask you what was paul like after the senior single skulls final at the national road center you inflicted a rare rare defeat on the band regarded as the as the best roar in the world oh he was grand you know <laughs> i think obviously he had a bit of um time in australia and he's a bit tired after lucerne so we definitely, I definitely don't think we saw the full, the full speed of that day. But um, I think, yeah, it was he was he was grand. There was there was handshakes and chats, and you know I think we were both just happy because we knew that the double was gonna be was gonna be good. Like a fast Finton and a fast Paul makes a fast Irish lightweight double. And again, go back to Nigel Tool and off the ball this week. He said that um, for you, he goes, it must be absolutely terrifying to row behind Paul, given given what he's done and what he's like and so on. So what is it like to share a boat with the man who's who's regarded as the best lightweight rower in the world? Oh, not at all terrifying, to be honest. Like we maybe a couple of years ago when I first came into it, it was, you know, you're trying to trying to keep on top of things and make sure sure you weren't messing up. But I think over the years, like you said earlier, you know, we've developed a really good chemistry and I think we definitely both see each other more as equals in, in the boat these days. And like, I really value his opinion. I think he values my opinion. We always kind of come to come to the right decision on, on things, you know, whether it's changing something in the boat or, um, settings and or how we want to row and, and stuff like that so I think yeah it's it's I love it to be honest yeah kind of but, but doesn't that just air printer doesn't that just highlight highlight your suppose your growth development and progression over the years you know when you came into that boat first in 2019 you were landing into the boat with the the fourth three-time world champion by then the Olympic silver medalist and so on you know and you maybe you felt you'd have to prove yourself in beside such a great roar but now you are on equal with Paul. Like together, you've made this boat better. So that that right there shows how much you've you've grown and, and developed. Yeah, yeah. I think as I I have, but as well, that's just the nature of of training and kind of experience. Really, you just you just get more used to things. You get a bit better every day, and 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 push on that way. So. It, like probably the mental side of it is is big as well just just proving to myself you know throughout the years that I should be there and and that you know we're we're doing something pretty special within the the category so um yeah it's just it's been yeah it's been pretty good to to see that kind of uh development I guess to say you're doing something pretty special within the lightweight categories, an understatement, like I said, five goals in a row. And I think that's 15 race wins between the last five international regattas between heats, semi-finals and, and A-finals. Is that something you're ever conscious of? We're winning everything. Like, like there'd be a number in your head. I know there was a New Zealand pair years ago, undefeated for years and years. Are you thinking, okay, can we create something here? Like, can we create this dynasty or this legend and go down in, in rowing history as the greatest lightweight double in the world? Would you ever... That that thought into your head that you're on the brink of something here. Not really, to be honest. You know, I think it's more, you know, like I said earlier, just seeing, seeing what works for us, like trying different things. It's it's never, it's never about like the results or you know the accolades or anything like that. Really, it's just enjoying the the process and and kind of getting as much as we can out of out of the training and it's fun you know to to try different things and you know see how far we can take different training sessions or or um or push you know this the setup and just there's so many ways you can go with rowing like in training and in 
the technique in in the recovery of from training in in the you know you can do a hundred thousand different things and some things might work for you and some things might not and it's actually really i know it probably doesn't sound that nice but it is it is entertaining and fun to like try all these things and see see what's working and it feels like it feels like you're kind of moving towards the best version of yourself and of the boat every time so i think it is more about that than than thinking about the you know the winning and the the medals and all that but um i guess yeah that's just a byproduct really of of enjoying the process and just making sure that we are stepping on moving towards that best versions of yourself you know your your intent determined to get better paul is paul is programmed the same like put that together could we see the story get even better you know kind of and if you can improve where can you improve because for us on the outside looking we're like jesus the lads are just winning everything the way they are you know but he he can probably see those improvements that you can make and if you can what are they and how better could that make you then it's funny because you know sometimes if you improve one thing you can go backwards in in another thing so it I guess it is measuring up um you know those those gains and comparing them to each other but I think like we had a pretty good regatta with with not much preparation so I think this year it's just going to be focusing on how how we can get the most out of ourselves with as little preparation as possible because mm-hmm. I think that that probably will stand to us you know in a few in a few years maybe you know you never know if, if one of us has to be out of the boat for a week or two in in the build-up to things it'll just give us that confidence for um you know to to say it's okay to do that if we if that's what we need so you know even if say this year it's it's not doing everything we can to make the boat faster right now it it might help us in in the long run and if we can pull it off then I think that will be really exciting because it'll just give us that extra you know bank of of confidence that if we need to you know if we need to take take a step back during the preparation at any stage that will be okay um so we've kind of seen we've kind of seen that we can do well so we'll see how the world champs goes and then it's it's a new season and and take it from there, I guess. The World Champs are on in the Czech Republic next month, mid-September. Paul, I kind of hinted afterwards he wasn't too sure whether he'll be there or not. But what's the what's the latest? Give us an exclusive here, Clinton. Will we see the Irish struggle at the World Championships? Will you be defending your world crown? Or what's the what's the latest? Yeah, I think we're we're gonna give it a bash. Um Paul's gone back to to university now for a few weeks. Uh, and I'll be training out in Spain. So We'll try to get together as often as as we can, you know, whether that's me flying home or Paul coming out to to Spain for a bit. And then, well, I think, yeah, we're going to head to the World Champs and see see how we get on. That's the plan for for the moment anyway. And how much are you looking forward to that? Yeah, really looking forward to it. It'd be nice to get stuck into a good block of training and then then, um, see how we go. Hopefully we can, you know, make a step on from Europeans and... Yeah, see what happens. Oh, brilliant! It's fierce, exciting. And my 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 final question is: you 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 haven't been home to West Cork, obviously, since you won your European gold medal. You won't be home for a while. So, where is the medal right now? Is it hidden in a sock in a room? Is it have you put it in the middle of a book? Or where is where is that European gold? It's in my suitcase. Yeah, ready for ready for home already. So, hopefully, there'll be another one added by the end of the trip. Which would hope you there will be ready to, to join an already incredible collection. You've been so kind to draw time, Fintan. Congrats again last weekend and best of luck in the Czech Republic next, next month. Thanks. Thanks, Kieran. Delighted to be joined by Avril Condell of Access Credit Union, who's here to tell us a little bit about Cultivate Farm Finance. So, Avril, maybe just give us a brief introduction to what Cultivate Farm Finance actually is. So Cultivate is a collaboration of 40 credit unions uh, throughout Ireland. Um, West Cork has both Access Credit Union and Bantry Credit Union. Uh, The loan itself is up to 75,000 unsecured uh, for seven years is the max term, but obviously can be 
uh, personalized and customized to each individual's needs. Um, it's a great facility actually for, for farmers and um, because it covers cash flow and um, machinery purchases, like there's a fertilizer crisis now as we know. Um, so literally anything that is required for the farm can be covered by this loan. The, the rate is very competitive and uh, we can match the, the repayment term and the um, repayment frequency to each individual farmer depending on their enterprise. Um, and you also have the benefit of the life cover that comes with the credit union loan, which I think is very important for people these days at no extra cost. And if I'm a farmer and I'm listening to you on this podcast today, how can I get involved? So if you're not sure of which credit union um, you're involved with, you can go to Cultivate Credit Union directly, which is www.cultivate-cu.ie or you can phone 1800-839-999. And if Access is your credit union, you can contact me directly. So it's avril at accesscu.ie or you can ring me on 085-268-2727. Right, lads, we're going to switch our attention to the club action now. And as I mentioned at the top, we're going to hear Matthew's chat with Bill Fleming of Aggerdeen Rangers in a moment, but we'll start with a quick review of the football from last weekend. And Matthew is going to deliver his top five takeaways from the weekend that was starting with number five. Yeah, it, all the five really involved the uh, West Cork teams. It was a pleasure of West Cork derbies last weekend. Uh, brilliant uh, action for uh, West Cork person indeed. And uh, number five is what Arthur Coakley, the banter selector, calls. The Battle of the Bay between Bantry Blues and Castledown Bear. It was a brilliant win for Bantry. Point victory over their near rivals, Castledown Bear. Gary Murphy did well for Castledown Bear there. But Bantry did squeeze through in the end. And it's a crucial win for them now because they're through to the next round of the Premier League Football Champion with a game to spare against the Piercy, who themselves are doing pretty poorly. So there's a very good chance now for Bantry to finish top of the group. It's a brilliant achievement by them. And number four is El Skibico, as we christened them sort of star last week as well. Very, very good uh, derby to look forward to. But uh, Skibberino, Donovan Ross, they, they each to victory in the end, uh, 216 to 19 of Ireland Rovers. It is one thing Ireland Rovers are struggling, but I want to concentrate on how good Skibber doing because that's two wins out of two now. That's um, only Damon St. Michaels have 100% records in the senior A football championship. So that's a brilliant achievement by them. Kevin Davis, very good. Eddie Conley, again. So Skib are flying at the moment. And they are probably one of the dark horses to look at in the senior A football championship. Very good win for them. For Ireland, they're going downhill, unfortunately. Um, just to um, stick with that one for a moment, Matthew, because obviously um, we had done a big preview on that game. And you mentioned a great result for O'Donovarossa. And Kieran, they're looking like a team who may well end this year in a county final, the way things are going. Yeah, things are going quite well for Skip this year. They're coming off the back of a very poor season last year and they didn't get out of their group in the Senior A Football Championship. David Change of Management, Gino Donovan, is in. And even uh, reading his quotes after the win against Ireland, even when I was chatting to him last week, he's making the point that that um, this Skip team is almost dispelling the notions that are out there about them. He said, like, there's this his thoughts that Skip are fine day footballers, that there's no toughness to them, that there's that these notions doing the rounds. But he's... He's convinced that this Skibbereen team, even though it's the same players, but maybe it's a different approach, different mentality, that they're just putting those those ideas to bed. Um, two impressive wins, like 216, like like Matthew said there, they put up on Ireland. I think it was 310 or so, or, or something like that, they put up against Newmarket. So they're, they're putting up big scores. So they're building a bit of momentum right now. When we think back to two years ago, they were one of the farm teams in the senior football championship too, but they... They, they faded in the semi-final. Like they didn't pass their semi-final test and, and they came up short. The last year, like I said, was quite disappointing. But so far this year, they're doing all the things right. They've, they've, they've two wins in a row. They're going so well in that group. They're true to the, the knockout stages with one game to spare. So things are looking good for Skip. But I have to say, like, Ireland, it's, they're, they're in the spot of bother again, you know, kind of, um, that's their second group defeat in a row. Relegated from Premier Senior last year. If they lose their last um their last game, I think it's against a new market match, am I right? Um yeah, you're right, yeah. Yeah, then all of a sudden they could find themselves in another relegation scrap, and that's just not where they want to be. But I I, I think Ireland should have enough to beat Newmarket in the last game. But the lads need to go out there and deliver performance to get the point just to 
almost just just to kind of stop the rot in effect, just stop losing group games and just even win in the last game, just avoid a relegation and use that as a platform to hopefully kick on a bit next year. Okay. Matthew, number three. And number three is another West Cork derby between Donnie's and uh, Bandon. Very good victory for Donnie's here, 20 points to 110. Like, Donnie's were always really in control of this game. Mark Buckley and Fionn Hurley, I think, scored seven points between them. So, again, the dynamic duo in that Donnie's team. They're now on three points and look very good in the Seagrave Football Championship. Bandon, a spot of bother for them as well, and a uh, spot of bother for the hurlers as well. I don't know what's going on in Bandon this year in Boko. So um, it's it's very hard to find out what, what is going on, how are they doing so badly for such a big parish, big town, a uh, big GA town in Bandon. So um, they're doing poorly, but Donnie's are flying and they will be another trip for the CDRA Football Championship. Then we move on to the Premier Senior Championship, uh, the draw between Clon and Newstown. I don't think the results will suit either team, to be honest with you. One point each, Castlehaven and Nebo obviously played the previous night, Nebo winning that, but both sides know after going to their last game trying to win. For Clon, yes, they were without a few players injured, but you would have thought Clon would have won that game. There was a point where they were actually, I think, five or six points clear of Newstone. Newstone had pulled it back because Clon got a black card at the end of the first half. Then they got a goal through Jack Reed, and it would nip a tough until then. And yeah, it was a very good finish to the game. Very exciting finish. And uh, yeah, but both sides would be very, very unhappy with uh, the draw at the end of it. And just sticking and, uh, with Clonakilty uh, for a moment then, because they obviously were in last season's county final. We spoke about them a couple of weeks ago on the show. And Kieran, where does this leave Clon now? Obviously, they play Nemo next. Nemo have been looking very impressive thus far. So does a loss to Nemo for Clon spell the end of their campaign? 100%, because the way that group is shaping up right now, the group of eight, Nemo are already through there on four points. Then we're on to Castlehaven, who have two points, and then it's Clan of Kilty, Newstown on a point each. The only thing that could actually work in Clan's favour is the fact that Nemo are true already with, with a game to spare. So it depends on Nemo's approach. But if we're looking at them so far this year, like Nemo are just a juggernaut. They're beating every team that's put in front of them. So it's it's a big ask for a Clan of Kilty team that hasn't hit the heights of last year, that hasn't replaced Darrow Shea up front, that's probably struggling for a small bit of form. So you'd have to say that, that Nemo will be the big favourites for that game. But I think the interesting one will be Castlehaven and Newstown in Rossmore because as it Stands Castlehaven are two points, Newstone are one point. If and it's a big if, if Newstone beat Castlehaven, they'll they'll um they'll leapfrog them in the table. And we're we're thinking that that Nemo will probably be Clan. All of a sudden, the Newstone are in second place. So that game in Rossmore, Newstone and Clan is a huge huge game because Newstone have a chance to to really cause a big shock there. The reality is that that, that, that Castlehaven, even though they lost to Nemo last weekend, were still quite impressive too. But that. You never know. It's 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 a one one off. It's a knockout game. That um, both of those games now are knockout games. Clan and Newstone know that they have to win. Castlehaven know they don't have much room for error too. So the group of debt is living up to its billing. Okay, Matthew, and finally number one. And you know, the number one is a uh, Carver Rangers win over Arrow gives a brilliant victory from two eleven to one twelve. Like this could have been a sticky game for Carver Rangers, but uh, they stuck in there and won the game at the end. Like. A rover actually done a good bit going to the last few minutes, but Colin O'Callaghan won made it interesting. But um, Carver Rangers looking very good this year. And considering the fact that the last two years they lost five out of their last six championship games, and to win up two out of two, albeit Carver Line was the first game, but still to get that winning mentality there, it's a brilliant uh, aspect to have for Carver Rangers. And they're now going to the last game against the Bars in kind of bonus territory. Like if they win that game, they could easily get to a semi final. And that game is on a band of scarfies in West Cork, so maybe that will shoot Carver Rangers down to a tee. So that would be a big game for uh, Carver Rangers, but they are true, at least the quarterfinals anyway, brilliant achievement by them. And uh, yeah, some big players like Jack Cavan, Jack O'Regan really stepped up to the plate. John O'Rourke only got one point in this game, and that just shows you the amateur is reliant on O'Rourke as they have been in the past. So this is a very, very good future for Carver Rangers, and they probably will be a team to watch going out the home stretch in this chapter. Yeah, Kieran, big turnaround for Carberry Rangers this season, as Matthew mentioned there. Is there anything we can put our finger on as to why they've been so impressive? Has the draw been slightly kinder to them this year than it has been in other years, or is that harsh? They've won their first two games, they can only beat who's in front of them. 
think they've been in a kind of transitional phase the last couple of years. We've had the the elder statesmen, the John Hayes, the Seamus Hayes, fellas like this who've been around for, for, for an awful long time. And they've been leading the Ross Garvey charge so, so well for just well over a decade or more. Like they've been incredible servants to the club. But there's there, there's there's a good crop of young players coming up. And like uh, Matthew mentioned them there, like Keelan Scannell, uh, Jack Cavan, Pedro Rook, these, these young fellas who are stepping up now, and I think they're starting to find their feet at senior level, which is which is great to see. And it two two wins, two wins on the bounce now. And I think the significance of Carver Rangers beating Aero Og in Bandon was last year in these two teams met in Bandon as well in the open group game, and Aero Og beat Ross that day. But fast forward twelve months, both teams are in different positions. Maybe Aero Og aren't what they were last year; they haven't hit their those heights just yet. But Carberry Rangers went out and they won an important game and they're true to the knockout stages with one game to spare. And, and it's great. Like, it's great for Declan Hayes and his management team. Declan Hayes is in his second year in charge and he had a tough baptism of fire last year. I remember being on the sideline in that game in Bandon and the likes, I think it was James Fitzpatrick and a couple of more were, were injured. A couple of their, their, their leading lights, you know, they were missing some of their, their big stellar players who carried that team for a long time. But now this transitional phase, it's, it's, it's moving in the right direction. They're, I don't think they're at the stage yet you could say they're genuine contenders for, uh, for a county title, but at least they're pushing forward. You know, Whatever happens from this year on, there's a base there for this Ross Carberry team to build on. But I don't think any team would like to, to play them in the knockout stages either because they have some really, really good players there. So um, good, good, for, good for Ross Carberry and good for Carberry Rangers. Okay, good stuff, lads. Let, let's park the football there for now because Matthew has been speaking to Bill Fleming of Argadine Rangers who've been making impressive moves in the Premier Junior Hurling Championship so far this season. So Argadine Rangers have had a terrific start to the uh, Cork Premier Junior Hurling Championship so far this season, seeing off Ballygarvin and Dripsy on the way to um, the last the latter stages of the county championships and they've Ballygibbed the cub as well under really no pressure going into that game. So I'm delighted to be joined here by Bill Fleming, centre-back of the team and one of the stars of the campaign so far. So I suppose, first of all, Bill, like um, you couldn't have wished for a better start with Argentine Rangers, two wins from two. Did you say that? Uh, it's a brilliant start to get. Um, look, luckily, we're qualified going to the last game, which uh, is a big weight off our shoulders. Um, so we knew the Garvin game was going to be a massive game to start things off. And uh, we dripsied in last week, which was important to build on it again. So, yeah, two wins from two. Can't ask for any more than that. And I suppose before the season even started, uh, were you achieving just to get out of the group uh, in a way? Or were you achieving to even go further into the Premier Junior Championship? Well, at, at the start of the year, the format for the Championship was uh, up in the air, to be honest. There was talks that the um, Premier Junior wasn't even going to be a grade. And if only four teams would, be, would survive and the rest would go down. So... We weren't really sure until that changed and uh, the Premier Junior staying now. So when the draw was made, we saw the draw and we lost to Ballygarvin last year in tight fashion in, uh, in the quarterfinal. And we know how good Drips are. We played them most, most years. And of course, Ballygiblin winning the, winning the Junior A County and getting to the All-Ireland final. No, getting out of the group was definitely the aim. And I suppose with the Ballygarvin game, especially like after losing them in um, in the last few years or so, and then to beat them by two points, nineteen points to two eleven, like first day out, that must have been an outstanding victory for the Tivoli club. Jeez, yeah, it was a brilliant victory. Now um, we started off flying it. I think we were up seven points to one, but we played them last year. We were up seven points to two, so uh, it was kind of similar. Similar. Uh, they got a goal then after a quarter of an hour, and. Uh, I think we kicked on again. I think we had up about seven or eight points around half time, but we knew the onslaught was going to come again. And to be fair to them, they're a serious outfit. They brought it all the way back. I think it was level with five minutes to go and they had a couple of chances. They could have even gone in front and, and nearly would have taken a draw at that stage, but it probably would have felt like a loss from the position that we were in. So um, luckily, John Michael O'Callan and a few guys stepped up and got a couple of points and uh, came out of there relieved in the end and just delighted to get the two points on the board. I suppose getting them two points to the board must have been brilliant uh, for the campaign going forward. I did beat Dripsy. And after that, though, you're going to a game against Bally Giblin under really no pressure to deliver that game. I know Bally Giblin are decent, so he'd, obviously he'd want to win the game to top the group. But at the same time, to get out of the group even this early is a brilliant achievement. Oh, it is. Yeah. It's a massive weight off our shoulders, to be honest. Um, 
we get like, we get to go into the Ballygibbon game kind of with a bit of a free shot that if you did win the game, you'd have the possibility of uh, possibly getting into a boy into a semi-final. Now, obviously, Ballygibbon are going to be raging our favourites. They have players like Mark Keane, Jewel Star and AFL Star, Carlo Manny, Colin English, uh, Tipperary under-21 All-Ireland winning captain, Joseph O'Sullivan played Cork Minor, so they have a whole host of brilliant players. So um, even after the game, we'll have a better idea of how we how we fare against one of the benchmark teams in the grade. So it's a it's good good game to be looking forward to. And I suppose you mentioned the benchmark and the grade. That that would probably be a main aim for Arcadine Rangers. I know winning the two games was a brilliant free, but it would kind of show where you're at um, in this championship, where you could go further in the competition or if you need things to work on after the Ballygiblin game. Exactly, yeah. Um, like Ballygiblin, look at their form there over the last two years. They're unbeaten in Cork, you know. After this game, you'll have half an idea how we fare against the likes of the Kilbritons and Trachtons and Russell Rovers, who are probably the main teams to be looking at in the grade at the moment. You mentioned Kilbritton there. Like, um, is that a prospect you'd be kind of looking forward to if you faced him in the later rows? Because that'll be a big West Cork derby. And for Hurling at West Cork, that'll be absolutely huge. Oh, sure, yeah, of course. We, we don't mind who we play, to be honest. But um, Kilbritton got to the final last year. Um, they, we, played them, we played them last year. They gave us a good beating inside in Bandon. So... Obviously, yeah, you'd like to play um, one of the main teams in the grade, but we'll see. We'll see how it fares out. I suppose another team in uh, the Premier Junior grade is Barry Rose. Well, like uh, you mentioned, that uh, you don't care who you play, but at the same time, playing a kid Britain or, or um, a Barry Rose, that'll be um, you know some West Cork derby to look forward to if you were to play them as well. Jeez, yeah, yeah, we're only just getting overplayed them a couple of weeks ago in football, so. Uh... Yeah, um, that was a tight, tough game now, to be honest. Those games always, there's added a bit extra to them. But uh, yeah, no, we don't mind who we play, to be honest. So um, it's, it doesn't make a difference to us. I suppose the, at the same time, like you play dual in this, like you're playing junior A football as well. You were close to type of Corrigs in the football, to be fair to you. You beat Barry Rowe as well. So how hard is it kind of to juggle hurling and football in the last few weeks? So I could imagine it's very tough, but at the same time, you would imagine the players would relish playing games week in, week out. Exactly, yeah. No, it's very difficult. Like, I think we've such a small, tight-knit group, like um, probably 12 or 13 is the same team in hurling and football. Uh, I think we only had about 21 tagged out the last day against Tripsy and probably similar in the football. So any injury is makes a massive difference to us playing week on week. We have three players out at the moment with long-term knee injuries and we have another two away travelling, so... We're down to the bare bones, but to be fair, everyone's putting their shoulder to the wheel. Um, it's great to have games week on week. You know that's what that's why you're training in the middle of the winter, like to be playing out in good weather and good conditions, championship matches against some of the best teams. So no, great to be playing week on week. And you mentioned the good weather, like that's only really brought in recent years due to the split season. Like either county usually would be these months August and September, like. How good has the split season been so far for uh, clubs like yourself, especially? Like, I, I can imagine it's very good playing in very nice weather conditions week on week. And um, the split season's ultimately been a success for clubs like Argentine Rangers. It has, absolutely. I'm a big fan of it. Um, a couple of years ago there, it was you'd play one game in April and then you'd be off again until nearly the end of August. And, you know, you have to go back training in December or January for the game in April and build yourselves up for that and then bring yourselves down and almost start a new championship, which it wasn't ideal, to be honest. And then you're playing games in October, November when pitches are soggy and wet. And no, this is the time of year you want to be playing, to be honest. So I'm, I'm happy out with it at the moment. And I suppose the main man behind it all in Arcadine is Paul Hollands, like managed uh, Valley Rovers in the football last year, got them to the quarterfinals of the Premier Senior Football Championship, brilliant achievement. And it's his first year with the Arcadine Rangers hurlers. Like, what sort of influence has he had on the team? I, I could imagine a massive one. Yeah, Paul has been brilliant. Um, when he took over at the start of the year, at the start of the year most people said, uh, Paul Holland, he's managing in football, is it? And uh, we were kind of thinking ourselves because he's such a good record in football, you know. He's managed Valley Rovers and he's he's been involved in Cork uh, minor football teams and I'm sure he had a whole host of offers available to him. But 
um, I suppose that it instilled a bit of confidence into the squad that Paul was so willing to take on the challenge that it wasn't, it wasn't one that we were kicking down the door in any championships recently. So he brought, and he brought in um, Mikey Welch and Declan Crowley, two Tim League stalwarts with him. So no, their management have been super, super, yeah. I suppose like uh, Paul coming in with the calibre he has behind him, like managing Valley Rovers, being involved in Cork squads, as you mentioned, like, is that kind of in, a, an indication of where Arcadine Rangers could go as a club in this uh, Premier Junior Hurling Championship? Because obviously Paul sees the potential in you. Yeah, well, hopefully. Like, I suppose the, the team we had out the last day, I think about 10 of the 15 are under the age of 25. Like, we've, you know, we've asked a lot of fellas like uh, Sean Walsh and Fergal Walsh and Sean Hinch and fellas only in their second season, 18, 19 years of age to step up and play a vital role. So I suppose Paul maybe sees the the guys coming through as maybe in a couple of years' time that there might be a good team there. So uh, I'm not sure about this year, but yeah, it's great that Paul obviously saw something in us. So that's great to see. And I suppose like, um, getting further on the championship, what would be the main aim for Arcadine Rangers getting out of the group? Obviously, you've done that now, but what, what would be a big aim for Arcadine to achieve in this competition? Semi-finals, possibly? Possibly, yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose we find ourselves in a quarter final now, regardless of the result the next day. Obviously, we don't know who that's going to be against, but yeah, um, it's qu- like the grade. It's quite. There's not much between the top and the bottom team, so I think everyone is going to fancy their chances, whoever they meet. So yeah, semi final and see how we go then. Yeah, semi final would be absolutely brilliant for Arcadine Rangers. Um, I suppose thanks very much, uh, Bill, for hopping onto the podcast and uh, wish you the best of luck for the rest of the season. Obviously, the next game against Bally Giblin, which is on August 26th at Riverstone, if anyone wants to go to it. So, uh, thank you, Bill, for your time and I wish you the best of luck for the rest of the season. Perfect. Thanks very much, Matthew. Thank you. Hi, Avril here from Access Credit Union. We are delighted to once again sponsor the Star Sports Podcast. As part of our range of new business loans, we now offer Cultivate Farm Finance, the farmer-friendly loan package. With a Cultivate loan, farmers in West Cork can benefit from the local decision-making and personal service offered by Access Credit Union. To find out more, go to accesscu.ie forward slash cultivate, call me on 085-268-2727 or 028-21883, where a member of our team will be happy to help you with your inquiry. Welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast and briefly, Kieran, let's preview this week's Southern Star Sports section. Rowing wall-to-wall, I'm betting. Rowing wall-to-wall, but GA wall-to-wall as well after a huge, huge weekend. So 28-page sports section this Thursday, packed with everything, and it's a brilliant read again. Of course, we've coverage of European Championship Sport Rowing Analytics. We also have two pages on the Irish Coasted Rowing Championships that were held in Skull last weekend. Talking to a few people there that were there, Skull rolled out the carpet and we had a load of West Cork winners too. So 17 pictures across two pages. So if you were rowing in the Irish Coasted Rowing Championships in Skull, check out this week's start to see if you made the cut. As well as that, like I said, GA-wise, we've um, huge coverage there, county championships and Carberry championships. So we've full-page reports on Castletown Bear and Bantry, Canakilty, Newcastle, Donnie's, Donnie's and Bandon, Island and Scape, um, Castlehaven and Nemo Rangers. So we've huge coverage of that. Also great coverage of the Carberry Junior A football championship. And just to touch on a bit of controversy there that, that uh, I suppose over the last couple of days was in Group 1 of the Carberry Junior A football championship, um, it came down to scoring difference at the end and Barry Rowe, I suppose some of their Barry Rowe folk took to Twitter on Monday night and they weren't too happy with the with the final result because the, I suppose what happened in, in, in this group and we've explained it towards the Southern Stars that Bandon conceded a walkover to Barry Rowe in the early stage and that meant that when four three teams finished on four points on Sunday night, Tyke McCorrick, Argadine and Barry Rowe, as per the rules according to the Carberry board, we have it in this Thursday star that Bandon's results had to be taken out and it meant that Barry Rowe missed out on advancing to the quarterfinals by one single point. It's agonising. It's so, so close. We have a statement from the Carberry board on this in Thursday Southern Star, so check that out. Well, this Just has caused to... quite the stir on social media because even the great Buff Egan was weighing in and he was none too plussed by the treatment of Barry Rowe. So I guess the best thing to do 
is wait for the statement from the Carberry board, but I get the feeling that the affected players aren't going to pay too much heed to what the Carberry board have to say. Yeah, that, that could be true. So check out the star for the for the Carberry point of view. Touch base with Barry Rowe, but they didn't want to. They didn't want to talk about it. So um, you know, so not much we could do with the Barry Rowe angle in that sense. But uh, like I said, we have the Carberry point of view where they've explained the reasoning and how it all worked. And how it all panned out. So I don't know about you, happens. but uh, it sounds pretty unfair to me. But I'm going to just leave it there. I'm going to throw that grenade out into the world and uh, see what happens. We'll see what people think of Thursday's Southern Star. So it's it's all it's all in that. And final piece I want to plug. It's one of my favorite pieces I've written this year. But it's on the Kilmacky Under Twelve Girls Football Team that won the West Cork Region C One Under Twelve League Final last week. They beat Courses in Barry Row. And why this story? Um, I suppose caught my attention why I wrote a column about it is it's the first time that Kilmacky GA Club fielded girls teams this year. So this club was founded in 1888, but for the first time they fielded girls teams. They have under eight, under 10, and under 12 age groups. And it's just brilliant to see. To be quite honest, I suppose Kilmacky be one of the clubs that are a small bit behind the curve because West Cork ladies football, underage ladies football is quite strong in West Cork. But Kilmacky is catching up. And I also unearthed the story about Claire Dunhu. She's a left native who had to leave her club at under 14 level back in 2000 and joined Beira and Clare went on to win four senior All-Ireland titles with uh, with the Cork Ladies footballers under Eamon Ryan. She was a backup goalkeeper in that team. So I think it's, just, it's a really good story. The fact that Kilmacky now have these under these underage girls teams, but how it's almost, it's brought and galvanised that club. It's brought people closer together. And I had a very good chat with Donny O'Donovan, who spearheaded um, this in Kilmacky to get his thoughts on why they did it, the effect it's had, and so on. So it's a, it's, a, it's a really, really good read. And I'd really recommend um, the last word column on page 28 of this week's Southern Star. Lovely stuff, Kieran. Well, we're going to leave it there. Obviously, the same story as every week. If you can't make it to the shops, you can subscribe online. Just go to www.southernstar.ie slash e-paper and you can read the Southern Star on your computer, tablet or smartphone for less than two euro per week. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Star Sport Podcast. And thanks as well to our producer, Dylan Mangan. If you enjoy these shows, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Slán Tomlin.